Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, commercial beef value must be displayed on mark boards. ICSA Beef Chair Edmund Grahams called on Minister McConnell to ensure that the CBV, commercial beef value of all calves, is displayed clearly on all mark boards as had been promised. President of the ICMSA, Mr Pat McCormack, said the associations have been allegedly made aware of numerous cases where fertiliser suppliers have actually allegedly refused to quote inquiring farmers a current price for a specific volume of fertiliser. IFA President Mr Tim Collins called on the Minister for Agriculture, Mr McConnell, to strengthen the regulatory powers of the Office of Fairness and Transparency in the Food Chain. Also in the programme, severe experienced labour shortage at calving time and Chagas Crops Advice with Kieran Collins. A reminder, the Hill Sheep Conference 2023 is taking place at West Lodge Hotel, Bantry, County Cork on 15th of February, 7pm. On the agenda, flock health and production planning, improving returns in Hill Sheep, delivered by Mr Jason Barley, AFBI Veterinary Science Division. Acres Cooperation, Kerry, West Cork, an overview, delivered by Ms. Patricia Dean, Project Manager, South Kerry Development Partnership. An overview of the practical implications of conversion to organic production on hail sheep farms, delivered jointly by Mr. Damien Costello and Ms. Elaine Levy of Chogosk. What will the Genotypes RAM task? in the Sheep Improvement Scheme accomplished for the Hill Sheep Sector, delivered there by Mr Kevin McDermott, Sheep Ireland. IFA President Tim Cullinan has called on the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, to strengthen the regulatory powers of the Office of Fairness and Transparency in the food chain. Mr Cullinan said, while the office has now been given the title of regulator, it doesn't appear to have the necessary powers needed to effect real change and the IFA have submitted a detailed submission to the authorities. Mr Tim Cullinan said the food regulator must have the power to ensure a fair distribution of the price consumers pay to all parts of the food chain, including, of course, farmers. Mr Cullinan said enforcement of the Unfair Trading Practices Directive and reporting on market data will help bring transparency to what he calls a broken system. But, Mr Cullen emphasises, without a food regulator who has the power to ensure a fair price, farmers remain to be convinced about how they'll benefit from the long-promised Office of Fairness and Transparency and Food Regulator. The amended Agricultural and Food Supply Chain Bill 2022 was debated at the Select Committee on Agriculture on Wednesday, 8th of February 2023. The IFA president said the association had submitted several proposals regarding the bill as it progressed through the Oireachtas. While some recommendations were included, such as increased penalties for offences, many others were not. The president of the ICMSA, Mr Pat McCormack, said the association has been made aware of numerous cases where fertiliser suppliers allegedly had actually refused to quote inquiring farmers a current price for a specific volume of fertiliser. 
Mr McCormack said the practice was leading to speculation amongst farmers that as the international price of fertilisers tended to be moving notably lower recently, stockers were intent on selling their existing stocks at the previously higher prices. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farm Association National Beef Chair Mr Evan Grahams called on Mr McCormack to ensure that the CBV, commercial beef value of old calves, is displayed on marked boards as had been promised. He recalls back in December 2021 when the CBV, commercial beef value, was launched by ICBF, assurances were given that this information would in time be displayed on marked boards. Mr Graham contended this hadn't happened and Minister McConnell now needed to take the lead in ensuring it does. A call there for the commercial beef value to be displayed clearly on all marked boards. Next, Cork West ploughing results. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Caroline, welcome to the programme. You have an update now on some ploughing matters from Cork West. Yes, I do, John. Thank you very much. Last Monday, the 4th of February, Kilcock held their annual ploughing match under excellent weather conditions. And the results are as follows. Senior conventional, first, Kieran Coakley, 124 marks. Second, Jack Kirby, 123 marks. And third, Jim Grace, 121 marks. Intermediate, first, John A. O'Donovan, 110 marks. Second, Stanley Dean, 102 marks. Third, Jackie O'Driscoll, 100 marks. Under 28, first, Niall O'Driscoll, 104 marks. Second, Aidan O'Donovan, 102 marks. The ladies, first, Stacey O'Sullivan with 114 marks. Second, Katie Hayes with 111 marks. The under-21s, first, Noel Nine with 107 marks. Second, Jeff Witchley with 101 marks. Makra, first, James Jennings, 95 marks. Second, Keane Harrington, 74 marks. The three furrow, first, Matthew Coakley, 95 marks. Second, Cyril Maguire, 61 marks. The senior reversible, first, Ger Coakley, 130 marks. Second, Liam O'Driscoll, 126 marks. Third, Michael Witchley, 118 marks. In the under-28 reversible, there was one competitor, Conor O'Farrell, and he got 104 marks. The standard three furrow, first, Timmy Lawler, 88 marks. Second, Patrick Buckley, 87 marks. The vintage senior hydraulic, first, Ger Collins, 101 marks. Second, Phelan Cotter, 99 marks. Third, John O'Neill, 90 marks. And in joint fourth, there was Leslie Wolfe and Mike Comey with 72 marks each. Novice hydraulic, first, Sean McCarthy, 66 marks. Second, Padre O'Donovan, 61 marks. The trail of vintage, one competitor, John Wolfe with 95 marks. And in the single furrow, Gordon Jennings, uh, 94 marks. On the bank holiday Monday, the 6th of February, the novice match went ahead in Rathroon, Bandon. There were five competitors in the conventional class and one competitor in the reversible class. The results are as follows. In the conventional, first, James Jennings. Second, Stacey O'Sullivan. Joint third, Deirdre Nine and Kean Ryan. And in fifth place, George Cummins. In the reversible, there was one competitor, that was Eugenio Donovan. On tomorrow, Sunday, the 12th, the 12th of February, Bandon Plowing Association will hold their annual plowing match, that's weather permitting, 
on the lands of Derek and Victor Lovell, Knock Brown, Bandon. Ploughing will commence at 11 a.m. sharp. Entries are to be with Michael on 086-822-5007 or Barry 087-246-3420. Now those numbers again, Michael 086-822-5007 and Barry 087-246-3420. Now, those entries have to be in by 12 noon today, Saturday, the 11th of February. OK, John, that's it. That's fine. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Caroline Jennings, PRO, Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Wainlings continue to soar in price, with records broken in March nationwide in recent days. A combination of live exporters, factory-aligned feedlots and grass buyers are driving the trade, with some exceptional prices being paid for top-quality Wainlings. Mart bids data this week, reported in the Irish Farmers Journal, shows spring 2022 born calves in the top quality 300 kg to 400 kg bracket hitting €3.53 a kg or €1,341 ahead for a 380 kg wainling. That equates, the journal points out, to 56 cents a kg or over 200 euro a head higher than the same week in 2022. If this animal was destined for a 24-month finish, it would require over 6 euro kg to break even in February 2024. Full story with Adam Woods, beef and suckler editor, Irish Farmers Journal. The No Dogs Allowed campaign is to continue until the authorities take proper action. Launching the IFA's 2023 campaign on dog control in County Offaly on February 8, 2023, IFA President Mr Tim Cullinan criticised what he called the failure of the authorities to tackle what's a growing problem on farms. The IFA began the No Dogs Allowed campaign in 2021. Unfortunately, a statement points out, the situation had only worsened over the past two years, with sheep farmers in particular dreading the prospect of a call to say there had been an attack on their sheep flock. Tim Cullinan said those who want a dog as part of their family will have to accept responsibilities that go with that ownership. The IFA No Dogs Allowed campaign will continue until the IFA sees what they call meaningful action from Ministers McConnell, Oak and Humphreys in this area. The IFA leader said the level of sanctions which can be applied do not reflect the savagery and trauma these uncontrolled dogs are causing to sheep flocks. The absence of a centralised database to identify ownership and those responsible for the dogs and the lack of enforcement of microchipping are all contributing to this persistent and even escalating problem. The IFA statement of February 8th went on to say that the latest report on the implementation of the Control of Dogs Act shows only 192,348 were licensed out of a total estimated 800,000 dogs in the country. The IFA statement points out this leaves an estimated over 607,000 or 76% of dogs unidentified. The IFA president said this was not acceptable to farmers who provide full traceability for the 7 million cattle and the 4 million sheep under their care from birth and where every animal is individually tagged and traceable 
A system similar must be in place for dog owners, but it was not in place at this point in time. Meanwhile, IFA National Sheep Committee Chairman Mr Kevin Comiskey said all dog owners should take heed of the existing rules and regulations and to make sure they are fully liable for all damage caused to farmers and their sheep by these dogs. Mr Comiskey said what he called the irresponsible behaviour of some dog owners continues to lead to devastating consequences on farms and it had to stop. Part of a joint statement there from the IFA National President, Mr Tim Cullinan, and the IFA National Sheep Chair, Mr Kevin Comiskey, calling for dogs to be licensed and microchipped. The Hill Sheep Conference 2023 is taking place on 15th of February at 7pm in West Lodge Hotel, Bantry and County Cork on the agenda Flock Health and Production Planning, Improving Returns in Hill Sheep Farming, Acres Cooperation, Kerry, West Cork, an overview, and an overview of the practical implications of conversion to organic production on hill sheep farms. What will the genotyped ram task in the sheep improvement scheme accomplish for the hill sector? That's a reminder that the Hill Sheep Conference 2023 is taking place at West Lodge Hotel, Bantry, County Cork, on 15th of February, organised by Chagask. Speakers include Mr Jason Varley, AFBI, Veterinary Science Division, Ms Patricia Dean, Project Manager, South Kerry Development Partnership, Mr Damien Costello and Ms Elaine Levy, Chagask, and Mr Kevin McDermott, Sheep Ireland. The Hill Sheep Conference, 2023, 15th of February, 7pm, West Lodge Hotel, Bantry in County Cork. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr. Kieran Collins, Crops Specialist with Chagask Knock Griffin Middleton County Cork Office. First of all, Kieran, welcome to the programme. Now, before we talk about some tillage matters in general, could you please remind our listeners about a very important upcoming event, when and where it's taking place, and uh, you know who's invited, as it were. Hi, John. Um, yeah, we're, I suppose, finished our indoor sessions, really, with the crop seminar. So we're taking to the fields now for our first agronomy walk on Thursday the 16th. Uh, and that's at 11 a.m. in the Department of Agriculture Farm in Ballyderown there, uh, outside Fromoy. The venue for the farm walk, uh, the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine Farm, Ballyderown near Fromoy. It's um, open to everyone, really, whether, you know, farmers, agronomists, anyone involved in, in, in crop production, really. And, uh, yeah, it's Thursday the 16th at uh, 11 a.m. there in Ballyderown, John. Having had a rather difficult autumn with plant crops, did tillage farmers actually manage to get crops planted and how have they come through the winter? Uh, firstly, we've, I suppose in, in our own local area, um, we certainly have a reduced area of both winter barley, winter wheat, really. Um, further, I suppose nationally, the area is back, but percentage-wise, we would be back much further in Cork. There are possibly a few reasons for that. Firstly, is uh, we probably would have had later planting because of virus issues and that. So uh, while crops would have been planted maybe in the end of September, early October, further up the country, 
we wouldn't have planted at that time and then come towards the middle of October when we would like to be planting, the weather obviously turned wet at that stage. So our winter barley area would be back. Um, it's hard to put a percentage on it, but certainly back a fair bit on last year. But the one that was really affected was was winter wheat. Um, you know, farmers got winter barley planted, but just didn't get the opportunities really to sow winter wheat. Um, in terms of the crops that are sown, I suppose they are a little bit patchy. Uh, some of the earlier sown crops are fine, especially winter barley. But I suppose some of the winter wheat crops suffered from, um, you know, I suppose heavy rainfall really and where water sat in fields and that. So there certainly is um, a little bit of maybe some of them will have to be re-sown to some extent and that. So um, not as good as they were 12 months ago, certainly. Now, with the recent dry weather, it must be tempting to apply fertiliser on winter crops. So when should the first fertiliser be applied to winter crops? And, you know, farmers are tempted to apply fertiliser following the recent dry period. So could you say when actually should the first fertiliser be applied to your winter crops? I suppose the key thing really is that we need to wait for growth. I suppose it is very, very tempting when we can travel fields at this stage, you know, but uh, fertiliser is expensive, particularly nitrogen. So to get maximum nitrogen use efficiency, you know, we don't want losses through particularly nitrate leaching, which which would typically happen in, in tillage soils. So it's really waiting until a good period of growth comes. So normally you're talking about from mid-February on, really, but it can get into March. And I suppose then, secondly, it depends on the crop. So probably the first crops that people would be into would be nitrogen on the likes of winter oilseed rape, particularly the maybe some of the more backward crops. And then following on from that, possibly winter barley. And again, you know, maybe some of the more backward crops will require a little bit of nitrogen earlier. But I think the key point then really is that, um, you know, just wait until that little bit of growth starts to come, um, you know, to avoid losses really. Now, the new nitrates directive, the nitrates directive and uh, derogation and various other aspects of uh, the EU nitrates programme. With regards to the directive, what would some of the key changes be for tillage farmers? I know that information meetings have been held, but still farmers would welcome any degree of certainty. So some of the key changes which would affect uh, your specific clients, the tillage people... There are a number, but I'll, I'll just highlight two maybe. And I suppose really the biggest one is in relation to phosphorus application. So previously, if you didn't have a soil test report for a field, you could assume index tree. So for cereals, that would allow you 25 kilos per hectare of a phosphorus allocation. And in the new directive, if you don't have a soil test report result, you don't actually have any allocation that you assume index four. So it's really crucial to make sure that you have a soil test for every five hectares on the farm. So I think that's that's really the biggest one, because, you know, if you are short of soil uh, test reports, you're not going to have an allocation. So maybe that that would be really the key one or the biggest change, I suppose, from a tillage perspective. The other one maybe just to take note of would be the increase in buffer zones. So obviously, um, we, you know, nobody wants to get um, fertiliser that into water courses. So we have to take measures to, to, to reduce that risk. So now if you have uh, an identified water course, you have to keep out three metres from that water course with the plough and the sowing of the crop. So that was two metres in, in, in the old directive. 
And then that increases to actually six metres where there's an intersecting water course uh, for late late sown crops. So that's really, or late harvested, I should say. So that's the likes of maize and fodder beet would typically be two crops that would fall into that category. That's six metres. It excludes beans and it excludes cereals. So just maybe for some, somebody that's planting maize or, or beet maybe down the road, just to be aware of that, that that's six metres um, in, in, in that scenario. Turning to beans, what payment can farmers expect? Now, the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine have increased the budget for protein crops in the new cap. So what payment can farmers expect? And do you think this will result in an increase in the area of beans being sown? Yeah, I suppose there's a major policy shift really towards sustainable protein, native protein production. So I suppose to our end, really, it will, it will be beans. Um, and to that end, the department have increased the, the, the budget from 3 million that was previously in the last cap to 7 million now. And the way the, the payment engine per hectare is calculated is they literally divide the area planted nationally of eligible crops by the, the ceiling there, which is now 7 million. So to put numbers on that, we would have had in around 10,000 hectares of, of, of protein crops in the last few years. Uh, and farmers would have got about, say, in around between 250 and 300 euros a hectare. The new reality is that the department are targeting a 20,000 hectare area of, of these protein crops. So you know, if, if we get up to 20,000 hectares, which obviously won't happen in one year, that payment would come up to somewhere around 350 euros a hectare. However, in the interim, you know, depending on the area sown, I think farmers can expect a much higher payment. But it really does depend on the area sown. So if we go from, say, where we've been the last few years, around 10,000 hectares, maybe up to 14,000 hectares, that would work out as a payment of, of uh, 500 euros a hectare. If the area next year increased to, say, 17,000 hectares, that would bring you up to uh, 400 euros a hectare. So I suppose it is a bit fluid, but I suppose the key point is it is going to result in an increased payment to farmers, which does make the likes of beans, um, you know, a really profitable crop for, for 23, really. And, of course, I understand our sponsor, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, limited sponsor of Farm Talk, our sponsor is, in fact, uh, very encouraging regarding beans. Dairy Gold have been trying to promote um, the area of beans sold and they're doing everything they can to encourage beans. So that um, is good news indeed that the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine have increased the budget for protein crops in the new cap. So we turn out to actually, you know, some one or two specific reasons why your listeners, why farmers, tillage farmers should plant beans. Now, when, when should farmers actually plant beans? Yeah, just back at your last comment there, John, we are very fortunate that we have good buyers in, in, in the area. And I suppose it is towards the drive of the, having the ability to produce, you know, a, basically a native source to Irish ration. So that's very possible. I suppose the, the, the missing ingredient has often been the protein source, which often can be the likes of imported soy from South America. That's all in terms of reducing carbon footprint and producing our own native ration, it, it is in our own hands, which I suppose is, is, is good. I suppose for farmers, yeah, looking to grow beans, um, research that's been done in Chagas, 
would show there's no significant difference in yield, whether you plant February, March or April. It does come with some caveats, though. Uh, certainly planting early, like now, um, it gives the plant a good time to develop and that, but there is high risk of, of crow damage. Um, so if you are planting them now, which I wouldn't have any issue with, but they do need to be sown deep. So you're talking about maybe, you know, a direct drill system that could put them down, ideally maybe up to four inches. And that certainly keeps them away from the crows for a while. The crows will go at them when they'll come up, but normally then you're into a period of growth and there's other food sources for crows. Um, at the far end of that, I, I wouldn't wait till April. I certainly would try and plant them before April. April crops can be successful, but we've seen in the past that you can run into to drought issues with, with late sown crops. And I suppose the risk of a reduced yield is higher with an April sown crop than it may be with a February or March sown crop, John. Now, at the start of our conversation, we referred to a very important event uh, taking place on Thursday, February 16th. You might please uh, confirm the date and venue for this very important event. And uh, farmers who have been there previously know that it's a tremendous centre. So details again of the winter crop walk being organised by Chagas Gather Department's farm in a place there near Famoy. Yeah, John, just to repeat, yeah, it's a, it's a crop agronomy walk. Um, all invited, really, anybody that has any interest in, in, in crop production. And that's Thursday the 16th at 11am on the department farm there, Bally Drone in Fremont. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Kieran Collins, crops specialist, Chagas, Knock Griffin, Middleton, County Cork. Thank you, Kieran, very much indeed. Thanks a million. No bother. Thanks, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Declan O'Brien, news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. Declan, welcome to the programme. Now, the dairy sector has been doing fairly well. We're approaching the 12 weeks or so of calving, but people are talking about this new quota. What exactly is this new quota? And indeed, when you define it, it might sum up the situation we're facing. Well, what farmers on the ground are experiencing at the moment is is a serious shortage of labour. They're finding it very difficult not only to get labour, seasonal labour for the for the spring, but also um, professional labour. Um, I'm talking about um, men who might have two and three farm units that are looking for managers and assistant managers. They're like hen's teeth at the moment, the, the anecdotal evidence is. But really, uh, where the pressure is hitting now, is farms have increased numbers significantly since 2015 over the last eight years. They're a lot bigger. They're a lot more compact calving. There's a lot more pressure on in the spring, and they need labour for for the spring period. And you're talking really about the period from now until the end of May, until nearly out as far as the end of the first cut silage because calving rolls into rearing calves, rolls into the breeding season, rolls into first cut silage. So there is um, an, a need for a lot of labour in that concentrated 12-week period, but really it's nearly a 16- and 20-month period. It's, it's nearly five months when... You talk to most farmers and they'll tell you they're not walking around the yard, they're at a half trot. 
How are we dealing with the problem at the moment? We're giving, I think, up to 500 non-EU work permits. But I think the general consensus is, if things stabilise at all, we should have a good farm apprenticeship programme where people would decide agriculture is their career and there'd be a situation where people could work up through the system and not just remain in one static position where there should be prospects and a chance of movement linked to training and experience in the farm sector. Of course, at the same time running parallel, the IFA and the Journal and various farm organisations, they're trying to brief their members on what exactly the impact of the new nitrate directive will be. Well, I suppose that is it. Um, you have, you've, um, farms have now expanded. They have, they're at a new um, efficiency level. They're, they're, they're at a new income level. But those income levels and those margins are now being threatened by the um, nitrates directive, which effectively is going to be what some are saying is that it's, it's going to be the new quarter because it is going to set your stocking rate. And the impact of this has been seen in the land leasing market where prices for, for um, five-year and ten-year leases, seven-year leases, even short-term leases, have gone through the roof this spring. People talking about land that could, be, could have been rented in the past for 250 an acre now go, making up to 350 and topping 400 and up to 500 in some areas. And that's all farmers looking for an area land over which they can spread their numbers because the nitrates, changes to the nitrates directive is going to cut stocking rates. And when this, this is one of the pressures on, on, on dairy farmers. You add to that pressure then the labour situation, and people are saying, is expansion now hitting a, a kind of a glass ceiling? You know, are we, with the twin challenges of labour and nitrates, are we seeing a expansion, unbridled expansion, stalling? And, and, and really, I suppose, the environmental pressures are going to come on um, even harder from here on out. You know, the the, the 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 whole flow appears to be going only in one direction. And I think there are challenges this year as well. There's going to be challenges on, on milk price front. And that's going to add further pressure on, on dairy farms. So it's going to be a very interesting and, and a very challenging for six months to the year for the dairy sector. Now, they, they made record profits last year. They are well set. It is an industry that is extremely efficient. It is streamlined to the max. It is backed up by research, backed up by excellent processes. It is in a very good place, but it will need to be this year because it is going to come under pressure. But we have a situation where it would appear 
the aim of some people is to literally minimise or eradicate dairy and beef. But as soon as people realise there is going to be an ongoing dairy sector, an ongoing livestock and meat sector, well then younger people could train and getting involved as a career in agriculture. This could last right throughout their lives by their constantly upgrading their techniques and realising there is a future with prospects for advancement in farming in its various branches. Yeah, and I think, I think we have to look at maybe New Zealand on that front, you know, where you have a, um, a mechanism or a pathway where um, a young man or a young woman can come onto a farm and start milking cows. And through her career, work up in through share making or some partnership deal, work on to maybe buying a share in the farm or buying another farm and working through that way. And that there is an, an, a natural pathway through which they can progress through their working life. And I think up to now, farming and a, um, a career in farming has more or less been dependent on access, on on being born into land. And I think the challenge now for the industry is to dispel that and, and create that pathway so that we get the best people in, we hold the best people, and we show that there is a career and a pathway for them. And I think if they do that, then they will lessen the need for the short-term um, introduction of of farm labour and 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 these guys that are coming in from overseas are excellent workers. They're excellent staff. The industry is lucky to have them, but um, it's really you'd have to say sustainability sustainability wise, it's not the way forward. And there has to be a domestic pipeline of of workers coming through. And those workers have to see that the industry offers them opportunities and career and a career path. And we'll only get the best people if there is a structured career path for them. And very important to remind people, if you are going into the farming sector, of course, the idea of having every weekend off or working to set hours, that's a different world. Farming is a Every morning, 365 days of the year, unless you can get somebody to relieve your farm relief services or someone from abroad, etc. And again, you have a, a situation where the most experienced younger people from dairy farms, from family dairy farms, their own farm, if they go and work for another farmer, it has to be understood by progressive farmers who hire younger people who've been working on their family farm, that the whole concept of HR, human resources or resources management, that you can't expect a younger person coming from their own farm to work and burn themselves out as if they were working for their own uh, business. You have to understand there has to be a lot of diplomacy and uh, treatment uh, of younger people and uh, people working for you with respect. Uh, That is a challenge for the industry, there is no doubt. And I think we've seen an example of it and was highlighted there this week in the paper. But I think, by and large, farmers are generally good. And, and there is a realisation there. Because to see it 
with their own with their own families. But I think um, it has to, and that, that is all part of that more professional attitude to 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 farming as a career. I think it, that is a natural progression for the industry. But I think as well for the short term for this spring, the answer may be in looking around um, for for not for one man a woman to come in and solve the labour problems. But may, maybe, as some of the farmers were saying in that piece, to break down the tasks. So maybe you get somebody in to feed the cows and they rail the cows morning and evening. They come in, they do an hour in the morning, they do an hour in the evening, or an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half in the evening. Maybe you get somebody else comes in and does um, three nights in the calving shed. You know, and and that's their 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 job for the week is those three nights. Maybe somebody else then is doing two milkings at the weekend, but they're all giving the farmer the break that he needs to keep going through these three months. And it is in in maybe breaking out the work, the overall um, work pattern for the farm, and isolating the jobs that you can literally subcontract out and then trusting the people that you contract in to do those jobs to actually do a good job. And I think that is that is one of the challenges for the farmer, letting go and trusting the people they hire. I would point out to listeners, uh, Declan, that you have a two-page, an excellent two-page, extremely comprehensive article in the Irish Farmers' Journal, Saturday, 4th of February, 2023, dairy sector struggles to source uh, labour, to source workers, and uh, it's certainly very, very comprehensive indeed, and you follow the career thereof of John, who has moved from one farm and his experiences working for other farmers. But thank you very much indeed, news correspondent, Mr Declan O'Brien, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Declan. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, John. ICSA Beef Chair Mr Edmund Graham has called on Minister McConlogue to ensure that the commercial beef value of all calves is displayed on the market boards as had been promised. He recalls back in December 21 when the CBEV was launched by ICBF, assurances had been given that the information would in time be displayed on Mart's boards. This, he said, hasn't happened yet and he wants the Minister Mr McConlogue to take the lead to ensure it does. Welcome to the Farm Programme, Edmund. Thanks, John, for having me on your show. Um, yeah, it's of a lot of importance nowadays, I suppose, because of efficiencies uh, utmost. And if we have details about calves that our farmers potentially are going to buy, then we can decide the best um, quality calves to buy with the best beef merit. Thus, in turn, they're going to have the more efficient, better trade, better weight gain, and hopefully at the end of the day we'll return a better profit. So we've been looking about this now for a few years, and to get the commercial beef value put up on the boards, it is a lot of work for the department to do, and my understanding is now um, it can only be done uh, properly if the animals, calves are genotyped. So we know exactly what bull they come from. As it stands now at the minute, um, no animals are really genotyped in the country. Well, not too many anyway. 
and we know specifically what their breeding is but for other farmers they might have one two stock bulls running on the farm and just who's to say exactly what stock bull what calf is out of we're not 100 percent sure but we need to get this information up on the boards as quick as possible uh, so that we can see our efficiencies where they potentially are in the in the beef sector and by the best uh, quality calves and Edmund, again, in your recent uh, press release, you point out that without this CBF displayed prominently at the marts on the board, well, then you're essentially working in the dark. And if you're paying top price for a calf or for an animal, you want to make sure that the potential genetic merit is there of the animal being purchased. That's right. Everything's down to a fine tea nowadays. And uh, as I say, efficiency is of utmost importance. Uh, even 0.1, 0.2 of a kilo of daily live weight gain over the lifetime of an animal makes a huge difference. So we have to aim for this and we need this technology to do it. Also, I should say that because of climate change targets that we have to meet, um, it is of utmost important too that uh, uh, beef producers are, are given these figures and we can do our bit to, to, to work with the most efficient animals um, and help reduce our, our carbon footprint. And again, Edmund, in your press release, you point out not just in buying calves, but farmers buying weanlings and store cattle in marts need this information to make an informed decision about what they're buying and how the animals, of course, naturally are likely to perform and in the context to, as you've just referred there, to, we mustn't forget it, emissions and climate targets. That's right. I suppose, in all honesty, when an animal does get to a weaning stage, when it's three months, five months, six months of age, maybe at that stage you can pick up what potential a person that has a good an eye for an animal can pick up the potential that animal might have. But when you're dealing with a calf at... Uh, 10, 14 days old um, with no real proper judgment to know if it's going to be a good quality calf or not or what the merits are so that's why it's fallen back now make use the best use of modern technology that we have now uh, to see what the breeding is these, of these calves and what the potential is so yeah, once again, it's of utmost important to get this information on the board and it'll help guide farmers. Um, I know what they're doing. Like it's a big outlay to buy an animal and keep it potentially for two years, two and a half years. Uh, we need to know what we're doing the day we buy. And in your press release dated 31st of January 2023, you point out that, quote, Back in December 2021, when the CBF was launched by ICBF, assurances were given that this information would be in time displayed on Mark boards. Now, you contend this hasn't happened, and you want our Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Minister Charlie McConnell, to take the lead and ensure this ICBF um, measure is implemented and you'll be happy to you know, report to your members you've made progress. But are you pursuing this at ministerial level with the department to make sure that the boards are displayed? And to what extent, what kind of proportion of marts are displaying the board, would you say? Well, all marts have what we'll call boards up displaying the information. 
So it should be possible to to get it when it's on one mark board. It should be on every mark board. Uh, I suppose it does take more uh, software data or whatever technology to do it, but it, it is possible and it shouldn't be a big thing to do it. Uh, once we have the correct uh, information to go on those boards, and I suppose that is the issue now between ICBF and the Department of Agriculture, um, they could put the information up, but if it's not exactly reliable, then it's of no use. So that's why we're going to have to look now at getting all animals genotyped. And we know then the exact breeding and what efficiencies or inefficiencies will be in these animals. And a slight divergence, a positive divergence from our conversation regarding mark boards being displayed as regards the genetic merit of animals. I think you must be content to see the trend of Irish beef exports, the opening up again of the Chinese market. Do you feel that this is a boost, a bit of a fillip for the beef industry in general, and at least it does offer prospects because for a long time people assumed if you were in beef this was a vocation where on balance you probably would earn enough just to barely survive. Yes, well, we have to welcome any market we get and uh, I suppose markets come and go and any day you get an extra market for a product, it's a good day. Um, So hopefully it will be long term and hopefully it will be beneficial the meat processors have sort of said already that whatever beef product goes to China, um, it's not going to be in the form of an extra price for the for the farmer, but it's going to be built into the base price. So it's hard for farmers to understand that how how the meat processors can do that. But nevertheless, it's another market and it's another opening for beef, and it has to be welcomed. And when it comes to the beef processors, when it comes to the factories making statements like that, well, if there's an increasing demand, if there's a very, very good, healthy demand for beef and for cattle of all types, well, then I suppose it's the law of supply and demand. The factories will be forced to pay a just price if supply is short. Well, that's 100% right. It's all about supply and demand and uh if the demand gets good then and supplies get tight, you know, it does force up prices and it's something we do need. Like our overheads now, no more so, I suppose, than in any business, like our overheads have rocketed our fuel, our feeds, um, fertilizers and all that are very, very expensive. And we need, we need good prices for our produce uh, to cover all our costs. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Edmund Graham, ICSA, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, National Beef uh, Chair. Thank you, Edmund, very much indeed for your valuable time. Thanks a million, Edmund. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. A reminder, the Hill Sheep Conference 2023 is taking place at the West Lodge Hotel, Bantry, County Cork, on 15th of February, starting 7pm. On the agenda, flock health and production planning, improving returns in Hill Sheep, delivered by Mr. Jason Barley, AFPI Veterinary Science Division. Acres Cooperation, Kerry, West Cork, an overview. Delivered by Ms. Patricia Dean, Project Manager, South Kerry Development Partnership. An overview of the practical implications of conversion to organic production on hail sheep farms. 
delivered by Mr. Damien Costello and Miss Elaine Levy Chogosk. And finally, what will the genotyped ram task in the sheep improvement scheme accomplish for the hill sheep sector? Delivered by Mr. Kevin McDermott, Sheep Ireland. And that's the Hill Sheep Conference 2023, taking place 15th of February, 7pm, venue West Lodge Hotel, Bantry in County Cork. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to contributors Barry O'Mahony, 96.3 FM News Editor, Mairead Tuig, 96.3 FM News Reporter and News Announcer, plus creator of the Farm Talk podcasts. Laura Woods, a fortnightly Carberry Regional Macra Report. Laura Woods, Macra Carberry Radio Officer. Thank you for tuning in. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.